up next on Walking by Faith. God's State Department foreign policies, I will bless those who bless Israel. I will curse those who curse Israel. And then a messianic prophecy, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Hello, thank you for being with us at Walking by Faith today. The subject today is going to be Bible prophecy. Now, some people will just like, oh, I don't, you know, that, that's sensationalism. No, actually, almost 30% of the entire Bible is prophecy. And it actually proves that this book is supernatural, that it's different than any other book. Because God has made hundreds of detailed predictions about things that would come to pass that have come to pass. And I want to show you some of those, but then I want to show you what the Bible tells us is in the future for us. We want to talk specifically about what's going to be happening in Russia, what's going to be happening in Syria, and what's happening in the Middle East and in Israel, because Israel really is God's time clock. When we look at Israel, we can see what God is doing and going to be doing in the earth. Now, I'd like you to come with me right now as this message begins. Now, today, uh, the, the message is it's kind of an unusual message that I'm going to bring. Uh, you probably know this, but, but when you're reading your Bible, 30% roughly of your Bible is prophecy. Right? Uh, we preach on it about 1% of the time. Probably not exactly what God had in mind. Uh, the reason for prophecy that, that I, I think hits home today is there are just hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled. And it really takes the Bible and sets it apart and proves it to be a supernatural book. Right? It's important. I was thinking about 2 Thessalonians this week. Now, Paul is talking to the Thessalonians. This is what he says. He says, don't you remember that when I was with you, I kept on telling you these things. And he's talking about the end time events that are going to happen in Israel. And 2,000 years ago, he kept on telling the Thessalonians, look, don't forget that this is going to be happening. So today, I hope to talk to you about the future events in Israel, Russia, and Syria right? According to Bible prophecy. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get everywhere I want to go, but that's my, that is my goal, right? In Romans 1, verse 16, it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek or the non-Jew. Now, notice the gospel is to who first? It's to the Jew first. Now, now, today in the church world, we, we, we tend to totally ignore that, but the gospel is to the Jew first. Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. All right? Now, in order to understand God's end-time plan, to understand end-time events, we have to take a look at the Jewish people and at Israel. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12 to begin with today. I want to read verses 1 through 3. 
verses 2 and 3, you, you, with, without understanding these verses, you cannot understand God's end-time plan or end-time events. You, you will look at what's going on in the world today, and it will not make sense to you. But if you understand Genesis 12, 2 and 3, you will understand what's going on in the world today, because all of it goes back to these two verses and a couple of other verses in the book of Genesis. All right? Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out from your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land I will show you. Now verse 2, I will make you a great nation. That nation is Israel. All right. Now when we read it, we just kind of read over it and we go, I'll make you a great nation. All right. The word great there in the Hebrew doesn't just mean great. It means premier, above all others. So he said, I will make you a great nation. When Jesus comes back, Israel will be the premier nation on the face of the earth. Not the United States, not Europe, not Russia, not China. Israel will be the premier nation on the face of the earth. Jesus comes back and where does he rule and reign from? From Israel, from Jerusalem. All right. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. He said, you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Now, if this is not underlined in your Bible, mark it somehow on your tablet. All right. This is God's State Department foreign policy right there. Right? God's State Department foreign policies. I will bless those who bless Israel. I will curse those who curse Israel. And then a messianic prophecy, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, we just skip a couple of chapters, and you get to Genesis 15. Right? And in Genesis 15, God comes to, to Abraham, and Abraham says, God, I know you said all this stuff, but how can I know for sure that you're going to do what you said to me? And God says to Abraham, he said, now, now get some animals and cut them in half and put them on some altars. Now, we read that and we think, weird barbecue maybe you know that's what we think but when Abraham heard that he knew exactly what God was saying to him he said I'm going to make a covenant with you and the practice was to divide the animals and then the two people would walk through that like, like suppose this is an altar this is an altar over here and you walk in between them right and you walk around them and as you do you make promises to each other now, most people today only enter into one covenant in their entire lifetime, right? And that's the covenant of marriage. And how many of you know what you do at a marriage ceremony? You make promises to each other, right? I'm going to love you for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. What are you doing? You're making promises, right? So... Abraham knows what God is talking about. He said, we're going to make a covenant right here. And we're going to walk through these pieces. You know, and when they would walk through, they'd just be, literally, their feet are just covered in blood. And they're making promises to each other. So Abraham knows what God is talking about. Right? It says in Genesis, on the same day, the Lord God made a covenant with Abraham. This is what it says in the New Testament. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say to seeds as to many, 
but as to one and to your seed who is Christ. So Jesus is the flaming torch. And Jesus is walking through the pieces with God the Father. And as they do, God the Father is making promises to Jesus. Right? And Abraham gets in on it because Jesus is his representative. Right? Now, I just want to ask you a question. If, if God makes promises to Jesus, how many of you think he's going to keep them? All right? But here, listen. He said this. He said, to your descendants, Abraham's descendants, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And it's the land of the Kenites, the Kenzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gershgashites, and the Jerbites. Now he says, I'm going to give them all this land. So let me just show you a picture of what Israel looks like today. That's what Israel looks like today. All right? Here's the land that God promised to Abraham and Jesus when he walked through the pieces. How many know it's a bit bigger? That is the land that Israel will have when Jesus rules and reigns. They will have everything that God promised. Now, here's kind of the picture that I want you to get here. That things that are happening today in the Middle East, you and I think of as coincidences, they're not coincidences. Right? God is fulfilling the promises that he made. He is fulfilling his covenant. Right? Again in the 17th chapter, and I'll establish my covenant between you and your descendants after you and their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you, to your descendants after you. Right? Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 17. Right? I'll give to your descendants after you the land in which you're a stranger, the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. I'll be their God. Now, God takes this so seriously right, that he prophesies in Joel what he's going to do when nations do not do or do not treat Israel and the Jewish people as they should. Joel chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, and in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. Right? Now, this is talking about the day that we live in. Right? I will also gather all the nations, and I'll bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. We've got a picture, Jeho- valley of Jehoshaphat. By the way, it's also referred to in the Bible as the valley of Jezreel, of Megiddo, and the valley of Armageddon. Anybody ever heard of it? All right? Beautiful, beautiful valley. All right, uh, th- this picture right here is taken from the top of Mount Carmel. And uh, over to your right, you've got the Mount Gilboa where Saul and his sons were killed when they fought the Philistines. Over to the left is Mount Tabor, which many Bible scholars believe was the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, the interesting thing is you get to Israel and then everything is right there. I mean, and it just makes the, the Bible just come alive. He says, I'll bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, Armageddon. I'll enter into judgment with them there. So this is the purpose of Armageddon to judge them on account of my people, the Jews, my heritage, Israel, whom they scattered among the nations and also they divided up my land. Armageddon, the purpose of Armageddon is to judge nations for how they have treated the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. That is the purpose. 
What God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. It stands today. Now, going to Ezekiel chapter 36, I will take you from among the nations. I will gather you out of all countries, and I'll bring you into your own land. Nearly 50 times the Bible prophesies the Jewish people would be dispersed throughout the earth, but in the last days, God would bring them back to their own land. God took those Jewish people and kept them separate and then finally brought them back to their own land. When Mark Twain in the late 1860s went to Israel, he wrote this. He says, he said, we never saw a human being on the whole route as we pressed on towards Jerusalem. The further we went, the hotter the sun got, the more rocky and bare, repulsive and dreary the landscape becomes. It was desolate. And it was desolate until the people that God gave that land to returned to the land. And when God brought the Jewish people back to the land, things began to change. Ezekiel 36, 35. So they will say this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And he says the waste, desolate, ruined cities, they're now fortified and inhabited. I think we've got some beautiful pictures of, of what the landscape looks like now. Now notice it says that those, those, those cities that once existed, that they were just in ruins. He said now they're fortified and inhabited. You know, almost without exception, every single settlement that the Jews build, they build on the ruins of an ancient city. Then the nations that are left around you shall know that I am the Lord, for I rebuilt the ruined places. I replanted. And again, that reforestation program that Israel has uh, has absolutely changed the climate in Israel as they've just planted and planted. The the, the reforestation, that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. Then you come, the next chapter is Ezekiel chapter 37. It's the chapter about the Valley of Dry Bones. Most of us that went to Sunday school, we've heard about dry bones. How many of you sang the dry bones song? We're not going to sing it, but some of you remember that. All right. But God shows the prophet Ezekiel a valley, and it is full of bones, and they are very, very dry. And God says to the prophet, can these bones live again? And the prophet looked at him, and he said, God. He said, only you know if they could live again, because they are so dry. And God said, prophesy to those bones. And the bones came together. And he prophesied again, and muscle and sinew and flesh came on the bones. And then God said, prophesy again, and breath comes into the bones. He says in verse 4, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded, breath came into them. They lived, they stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Now, by the way, God tells him, and I'm going to read the verse in just a moment, that those dry bones are the whole house of Israel. It's interesting. It's the whole house. You've got to remember that. He says they're an exceeding great army. Right now, there are 126 armies in the world that are raided. Israel is rated as number 16, a little bitty nation the size of New Jersey. All right? And, and I believe because of Bible prophecy that that number is going to continue to rise. And he said, this is the whole house of Israel. The whole house. Now, that's why it has to refer to our day. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, my people, I will open your graves. 
and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you to the land of Israel. I really believe that this is a prophecy talking about the, the death camps of Germany, the Holocaust. You know, we had the, the Jewish people, over 6 million Jewish people were, were murdered by Adolf Hitler. Now, I've been trying to get to Ezekiel chapter 38, right? So here we go. Ezekiel 38, verse 2. Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Now, Gog is a man, one man, all right? He is the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Today, we might call him a president. We might call him a prime minister. He might be a dictator. The Bible tells us where Gog comes from, all right? And he comes from the far north, right? Now, if you take a line from Jerusalem and go straight up, you, 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 you almost hit Moscow, right? And Bible scholars are almost all in agreement that this is talking about a leader who will someday lead Russia, right? Now, today we have Putin sitting there, and, and somebody says, is he, is he him? Is, is he the prince? Is he Gog? I will say that he is without a doubt a type of Gog. He might be, but he is certainly a type of Gog. Now, continuing on in verse 5, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shields and helmets. Gomer with all its troops, the house of Togomar from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Now, we can put some modern names to all of those nations right, and uh, show you who they would be today. Right? Now, those are ancient names, but we can put modern names with them. All right, And we would have Jordan and Egypt and Lebanon, the Gaza Strip. Right? We would have Syria, northern Iraq. Right? Those would be the modern names for those very same places. All right? Now, continuing on as you read, the Bible talks about them coming. It says, prepare yourself, be ready. You and all your companies that are gathered about you, be on your guard. And he says, I'll turn you around, I'll put a hook in your jaw, and I will lead you out with your army, horses, horsemen, splendidly clothed, a great company with butler, shield, and all of them handling swords. Somebody says, well, that sounds like something from a long time ago. You know, we just put modern names to the nations. Let me give you some modern names for the weapons. We've got tanks. We've got armored personnel carriers. We've got AK-47s. We've got handheld uh, rocket launchers. He says, and after many days, you will be visited in the latter years. When is this going to take place? After many days in the latter years, you will come into the land that was brought back from the sword, gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, talking about Israel becoming a nation again, which had long been desolate. Today, it no longer is, but it was. Even 70 years ago, it was. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. Notice it's in the latter years. Other translations say in the end of years or the end of days. 
And he says, you will ascend. This is their plan. You'll ascend coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud. You and all the troops and many people with you, thus said the Lord God on that day, you shall, it shall come to pass that a thought will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder, to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock, good, and dwell in the midst of the land. People have often said, well, where is the United States in prophecy? It's in the next verse. Ezekiel 38, verse 13. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarsus, and all the young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock, goods, and great plunder? Most Bible scholars identify Tarsus as the EU. Right? It talks about the lions. The young lions. I mean, Britain in Bible prophecy is the lion. The young lions are the nations that came out of Britain, which would be New Zealand, Australia, Canada, United States, South Africa. And it says the young lions, they'll say, what are you doing? What are you doing? But we do not come to Israel's defense. The United States will say something, but we will do nothing. Right? We are among those young lions. And uh, we object, but we do not stand with Israel. Then you will come from your place out of the far north. You and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company, a mighty army. Right? You'll come against my people Israel like a cloud. You'll cover the land. And it will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me. And be hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. God is saying he's going to get glory. In fact, God actually says that in that day his anger will arise in his face. And God fights for Israel. Right? There's an earthquake. There's confusion. And uh, Israel is spared, comes out victorious because God fights for them. And it appears, most Bible scholars believe, that there is some sort of a nuclear exchange that takes place. Right? It says, for seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. And they will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury the bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. Right? At the end of seven months they will make a search. The search party will pass through the land. And when anyone sees a man's bones, he will set up a marker by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. Literally, this is what happens in, when there's a nuclear exchange and there's going to be a cleanup. It is just a, it's a description of what we do today. Now, I want to take three more minutes. And I want to talk about what's going on in Syria today. Of course, this, this could be the, the way that, that uh, Gog comes down into the Middle East. Because Syria is part of the group that we find in Ezekiel chapter 38. Right? In Isaiah 17 in verse 2, it says, Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city and will become a ruinous heap. Now, Damascus is the oldest continually inhabited city on planet Earth. There's older cities like Jericho, but it was not continually inhabited. 
There were literally centuries where Jericho was not inhabited. But Damascus has been continually inhabited. But the Bible says that there's going to come a day when it will cease from being a city and will simply be a ruinous heap. And in that day, his strong cities will be as a forsaken brow and an uppermost branch because they left because of the children of Israel and there will be desolation. It says the reason that this happens is because of the children of Israel. We can say it this way, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. Right? In verse 14, it says, Then behold, at evening time, there's trouble. And before morning, he, Damascus, is no more. So in the evening, there's trouble. And when morning comes, the city of Damascus is a ruinous heap and no longer exists. Now, the, the, uh, the 14th verse, the last part, tells us why it happened. It says, this is the portion of those who plunder us and the lot of those who rob us. Israel is going to retaliate against Syria at some point. The reason Damascus ceases to exist is because of the children of Israel. But all of it goes back to Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15. Where God said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Where God said, I will give to you and your descendants all of this land. He said, where you're passing today as a stranger. And we really do not understand what's going on in the world today without understanding God's promises to Abraham, to the Jewish people, to the nation of Israel. But the end result is that God is going to fulfill his promise that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to their descendants. You're going to, it's the promise he made to Jesus, that they are going to possess that land. And uh, Jesus is going to come back, he's going to rule, and he is going to reign. There is going to be no peace that comes through some political method until the Prince of Peace, Jesus, comes back. You know, when we look at Bible prophecy, one of the things that we can know for sure is that these are the last days. And if you're not right with God, you're away from the Lord, you don't know where you stand with God, or you know you're very far from God, and you say, I, I want to be right, I want to invite you to bow your head and pray a prayer right now, to make these words your own and to give your heart and life to Jesus. And when we pray and say amen, when we say amen, if you pray this with all your heart, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm your child on my way to heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. We want to help you keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a book and I want to give it to you free of charge. You can download it. All the information is right there on your screen. It's full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. And if this program is feeding you, it's blessing you spiritually, please partner with us as we're sending the gospel around the world. Thank you and God bless. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you.
Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.